I can tell you from a guy that is the founder of a broker-dealer, we want you to be successful for very selfish reasons, right? The more you're successful, the more you're going to trade, the longer you're going to be here, right, right. And, and the longer you're going to be a client. There are a lot of traders that I know personally, talk to them on a daily basis, that make money consistently in the market and have been doing it for a long time. They tend to have the same attributes. The question you have to ask yourself with zero commission brokers is, how can they afford to be zero commission? This episode is going to be a little bit interesting because the past uh, guests, they've all been trading for less than me. Um, I've been trading for six years, but you've been trading for 25 years, or rather you've, you've been in the industry for 25 years, which is pretty insane. And uh, you're also a CEO of Mondium Capital. Um, if you just want to really quickly tell everyone what that is and what you do over there. Sure. Uh, my name is Michael Malani. Uh, I'm the CEO of Mondium Capital, um, which is an online active trading broker-dealer. Um, the way I best describe it is you have two different tranches when you come to this field, right? You have investors and you have traders. And too often when I say to somebody, well, you know, what are you investing in? What are you trading in? They, I feel like they view them as some almost simultaneous kind of things when they are mutually exclusive in my eyes. If you're an investor, you're buying large caps, small caps, whatnot, and you're investing in them for the longer term. If you're a trader, you're looking for these shorter term uh, inefficiencies in the market, shorter term movements. Now, again, short term is a relative term. It means different things to different people, right? So short term for you might be, you know, one to three days, which I think is a good sweet spot for new people. Um, for black boxes and algorithmic traders, short term is 10 seconds or milliseconds yeah. or, or whatever it is. So, um, also, longer term tends to be more fundamental. Short term tends to be more technical. But again, some of the best traders I've met are really educated on both fields. So Mondium Capital, uh, mondiumcapital.com, M-O-N-D-E-U-M. People always mispronounce it, so I'm glad you got it right on the first try. Um, is, uh, is, a, is a broker dealer that specializes in active traders. Um, short term, I hate the word day trader because it kind of implies a, a gambling kind of a thing, which is really the raw way to look at it more cash flow, more short term, and uh, more um, technical in nature. And that's who we really cater to. We've been around uh, for less than a year. Um, my career has spanned since the late 90s. I hate to date myself, but that's where I came from. I was a wealth manager early on out of school. Uh, I got involved in the day trading world probably around 2003. And I traded my, for myself uh, within groups and things like that for... 10 or 12 years before I kind of hung on my keyboard and said, let me move to the, uh, to the administrative side of things. And, uh, I, I haven't looked back and things have been good. So you said you started trading in 2003. Is that right? I did. Yep. I was a prop was... trader for a firm called Ascent. Um, yeah. And like I said, it was all short term in nature. I, I, uh, I did a podcast the other day. Someone asked me what my trading style was back in the day. It was really more singles and doubles rather than home run hitting. Um, I oh, was uh, yeah. New York Stock Exchange only because the stocks tended to move a little less volatile, which made things more consistent. Um, yeah, very short term in nature, very risk averse, looking to make a thousand bucks a day or, or whatever it was. And, uh, close up my keyboard and go home. 2003, was, was floor trading still a thing back then or was it already dying out well technically floor trading is well technically floor <laughs> trading is still a thing 
now, yeah. sort of. Um, but it was it was much more prevalent then, and it's been dying out uh, ever ever since. You know, like probably the late nineties and such. But uh, this is like ever... trading kind of forefront. Did you ever trade on the floor at like New York or I was uh, never Chicago? on the floor myself. Yeah, I I never traded on the floor myself, but uh, okay. a lot of times we would use uh, floor broker routes. It, it's funny, a colleague of mine uh, uh, I met actually on the floor. I was I think I told you I was on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange on Tuesday, giving an interview, and I was there with uh, an education firm, sort of giving a tour, and uh, this company called Trademoss who uh, a couple of colleagues that I know are working with and I have a call, a call with them on Monday about potentially routing some orders to a broker. Okay, so what was, I really want to know like how different trading was back then to right now. I mean, obviously right now everything's much quicker. You can open an account within like a minute and start trading almost like instantly. Whereas back then it was like, you had to wait like, I don't know how long. I guess if you could tell me the differences. Well, I get it. It was definitely less of an sort of an impulse kind of a thing. Let me open up a brokerage account and place a bunch of trades. Um, the commissions were definitely significantly more expensive. Um, but again, there was uh, fractions instead of decimals. The market definitely moved slower. Some of the rules were different. There was an uptick rule where you couldn't get short unless the last... Um, print was on an uptick. Um, there was no reg SHO, so there was sort of naked short selling legally on every on every trade. Um, so it was a lot easier to get short things, and there was no cost to get short um, on some of that stuff. Um, so it was definitely a different type of environment. Uh, the, the best prop traders and traders I knew back then, a lot of times, didn't even know what the stocks they were trading did. If you were to, you know, they, they would trade something and whatever was moving that day um, was kind of the exciting, I always call it kind of the stock du jour that's moving around that day. Um, and uh, a lot of the traders were doing research. They weren't digging around. They were showing up in flip-flops and shorts and, you know, taking <laughs> advantage of the electronic nature of things. The, the SOS bandits where they were just pulling stock off the quote. Um, so it was definitely a different game. I The way I liken it now is, Trading back then was more of a video game. It was more checkers. And I think the best traders now are much more playing chess with it. They're much more cerebral. They're much more well-read. They're much more sophisticated in things in terms of market structure, uh, market makers, some of the rules and things like that. So if you want to be good at anything, you got to put the time in. And uh, I think that over the last 20 years, uh, you know, the uh, the markets have definitely weeded out some of the weaker players. And the strong ones are here to stay. What's the most insane thing you've witnessed within like the markets? Um, well, the, uh, the day after May 6th, I believe it was 2011, 2012, when the night trading disaster happened, when there was a, a, a ton of stocks that went to zero. Um, was a crazy time in the market. Um, the uh, 2008, the the financial yeah. crisis, starting I think it was in May when Bear Stearns went from the 50s to 20s to two on Monday, uh, and then September rolled around where all the hedge funds imploded, uh, Lehman Brothers imploded, and and they had to yeah. ban short selling for for a little while. When that happened, 
um, the craziest day I remember in the markets, uh, and I remember we had a lot of traders. Um, I, I was I was dealing with a lot of traders at the time. Um, the night that Donald Trump was elected president in 2016, um, the the biotech specifically were expecting, in my opinion, a Hillary Clinton win, which would have stabilized them and brought them down. So I feel like Hillary Clinton winning the election was sort of priced into the markets. And uh, that night when Trump won, or it looked like Trump was going to win, almost every stock uh, started to run in, in the, uh, you know, with, with the fact that it looked like a capitalist friendly president was going to be in, in, in the white house. And, uh, I remember I had one trader who was stored a lot of naked, uh, biotech stocks and that trader took a beating. We took a beating. It was a stressful couple of days after that. So, uh, uh, wising me up in terms of naked options trading, um, and made me realize the one truth about the market is, is that anything can happen and um, nothing is for sure. And just like like anything, the second that you think something is 100% absolutely priced into the market, expect it to go the other way because that's just the nature of sort of the volatility of the market in general. And that's, that's one night I will not forget. I think Carl Icahn famously left some party he was at to go back and trade futures. Um, and we woke up that morning to an entirely different world, especially on the market side. So uh, I, I would say... 2016 Trump election night was was one of the crazier individual nights that I've ever seen. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know anything about that or the 2011. That's not the flash crash, is it? That's that was a different year, right? Flash crash, May si- May sixth. Yep, that's what it was. Uh, I don't remember okay. the the year of it, but the, it was it was May sixth. The flash crash that was insane. And then, like I said, the uh, the financial crisis. Um, May, September, October, November of 2008 was mm-hmm. uh, was an interesting time in the market. Again, the, the shorter-term traders did really, really well because shorter-term traders tend to trade a short side of the market more so than the long side, um, just based on the fact that markets tend to fall faster than they rise. Anybody yeah. who had any kind of long buy got absolutely devastated in that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it's uh, it, it was an interesting time and uh, taught us a lot. Um, I feel like maybe I'm listening incorrectly or hearing this wrong, but it sounds like, were you like trading in groups? Were you trading alone? Uh, how are you trading? So, right. So the way my career was, um, I was an individual trader working at a prop firm. So Ascent was the first firm I was at. It was a prop trading firm, which was, um, people were trading the firm's money. Um, and again, there were certain retail traders in there. Like I was retail in nature, but we were trading on trading desks where we were all kind of sharing ideas. Um, you know, keep an eye on this stock and watch this and whatnot. Um, that's how I kind of learned the markets and learned how to trade. Um, later on, uh, I was working and, and I know you looked at my LinkedIn, so you saw some of my, my past haunts, but, uh, the group I was with called, <laughs> was called Lakes Capital Partners, um, which later on became a technology company today that's focused on um, like auto routing and, and compliance technology and stuff like that. Uh, later on, I moved to a firm called T3, where I was there yeah. for about 10 years. Um, and then uh, right before COVID hit, um, I did some consulting for about a year, decided I wanted to start my own firm. Like everybody who thinks they could do it better than 
than everyone else. I'm not sure if I can, but we're certainly working on it. Um, and now my firm is not a prop firm. It's strictly retail. So it's individual traders coming on, putting deposit, getting reg T leverage, uh, you know, PDT accounts, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, for more of my career, we were, we were working with proprietary trading groups where we were sharing ideas, talking about what we're all looking at, what we like on certain days collectively. And I think it really sculpted my opinions of the market in a really positive way because I got to share my ideas on a daily basis with uh, some really talented people. I did. So you must have seen some, if you're trading uh, with other people, like in prop firms, you must have seen like some really great traders, some really sucky traders, right? Well, yeah. I mean, um, look, trading in general is a field where you have a very high failure rate, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I spoke at a conference last week um, with the guys from Bear Bull Traders, Andrew Aziz and those guys who, yeah, they yeah. have a real, they have a really great group. Um, really impressed with him and them and Artie and Mike Bear and there's a lot of Thor Young. I mean, a lot of really talented guys there. Um, we were talking a lot about uh, the challenges for brokerage firms like mine. And the main one is, in my opinion, is turnover. We spend a lot of time, um, again, working with our traders to walk them through the software and specialized routing strategies and spending a lot of time trying to get the best liquidity um, from whether it be routing strategies or um, sh uh, stock loan, stock locate, that type of thing. And when a trader comes on board, like trades too aggressively, trades too hard and blows themselves up after the first week or so, it's very frustrating for us because we spent all this time sort of walking them through things and they're gone. So um, one of the things that we try to do when we're working with new traders is, like I said, with a group like Andrews or other potential educators that we talk to is trying to find people that have a good solid foundation in the marketplace. Uh, understand again market structure and routing and the difference between brokers that charge commission and brokers that are zero commission um so that they have the best chance for longevity ultimately a lot of people when they make money they're geniuses and when they lose money they're blaming their firm or the market makers or whoever um yeah. i can tell you from a guy that is the founder of a broker dealer we want you to be successful for very selfish reasons, right? The, the, the more you're successful, the more you're going to trade, the longer you're going to be here, right, right. And, and the longer you're going to be a client. Um, nobody wants you to lose money, believe me, me at the top of that list. So uh, yeah, I, I saw some massively amazing traders and I saw some guys that struggled. Um, more guys struggle at this than make money. So when you're, when you're deciding to just kind of dip your toe into active trading, definitely be prepared um understand your risk limits understand what you can afford to lose and what you can't because statistically you probably will lose money so you you uh hope for the best and uh, you prepare for the worst and you know you, you do your research and make sure you're prepared to uh engage in a pretty challenging endeavor what would you say is the main difference between the the good trader and like the statistically you know the ones that lose what would be the the main difference between those? Um, two, two things. Um, again, I, I think the most important thing for traders is knowing their risk tolerance, 
knowing how much money they can lose, knowing how much money they can't lose, and trying not to compare yourself to the people around you. Nothing's more frustrating when you have a great day. Oh, I made $200 today, and that's a great day for you. And there's some jerk at the other end of the table that's saying, well, I you know, made 10000 today, and you, and you feel inadequate. Um, it's it's yeah. not you against everybody else. It's really you against you. Um, and, and again, I, I talked about it earlier when I was trading. I didn't have millions of dollars to risk in the market. I didn't have an unlimited bankroll. I was sort of self-funded um, in a much smaller way than I would have liked. So for me, taking $2,000 hits in a day wasn't an option for me. I wanted to be very consistent. I had bills to pay. I had a career to build. I had all these different things. Um, so I, I would say that's one thing is uh, people understand their risk tolerances and kind of knowing how much money they have to spend and to lose and all these different things. Um, but a, a big part of it's emotional intelligence. People that have thick, you have to have thick skin in, in the trading game. Um, you have to be someone that can shake off a bad day. Um, you have to be someone that when you have a great day or a great streak, you make money two months every day in a row, you know, 40 days straight. You don't get what I call the Superman complex where you think this is easy and you can do no wrong because the markets have the tendency to humble you. Um, the best traders are constantly uh, changing up their trading style and, and they're evolving in the way that they do things. So again, knowing your risk limits and, and adhering to them and uh, having a lot of emotional intelligence, being very mature with the way that you do things. I think uh, younger traders tend to be more impulsive and more uh, sort of shoot first, aim second. Um and I think as, as traders get older, they tend to get a little bit more patient with the way they handle things. So emotional intelligence, I think, is at the top of that list if you have to ask me one thing. Um, do you use TikTok at all? My kids do. Um, I, I do not. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm a very big LinkedIn presence. Um, I okay. don't use TikTok or Snapchat or any of the the new things, uh, my kids are into it, and that kind of dates me, I guess. I feel like I'm the guy right now who, when we were kids, the, the VCR light was flashing at 12 o'clock all the time, and people would say, well, you had to fix that? No, I don't know how to fix that, so we'd all go in and try to fix it. Um, yeah, my, my uh, I have not used TikTok, uh, but I do. I'm on all the other social media channels. I'm asking because there's a lot of uh, traders on TikTok, and, you know, TikTok is geared towards, like, the younger generation um, younger than me, I'm 25. Um, and there's a lot of traders on there, 18 years old, some 15, some like even, yeah, no, like 15 is the youngest I've seen, I think. Uh, what is your opinion on that, on someone like getting started so early in life? Do you think they should be doing that or what do you think? Well, I'll say that at Mondium, we don't take traders who have less than a year of trading experience. So, um, okay. we cannot take an 18 or a 15 year old trader. Uh, I, I believe the minimum is 21 for us. And then uh, even now we want a year worth of experience because we don't want to sort of prey on neophyte traders and, and, you know, give them promises of riches and things like that because it is very challenging. Um, my, my advice, even for my own kids, if they were getting a introduction to the markets, something that young, Trading on the demo and trading in a, in a paper environment, I think, would be a really good place for them to start. 
Um, I don't think they should be risking live capital. I don't think somebody that age really understands the power of that capital and exactly compound interest and index funds and all those other things. So um, I think some of these zero commission apps, again, like a Robinhood, are a really good thing teaching investors or traders rather what the markets are, how to what a bid and an offer is, how to buy and sell, that kind of things. But remember, you can learn a lot of that stuff with actually without risking live capital in the market. Um, yeah. So again, for my 15-year-olds or 18-year-old, I would say trade all you want. I've got demo accounts on demo accounts on a brokerage firm, uh, running a brokerage firm. Um, I would uh, I would advise against it. Trade on the demo till you're old enough to make your own money because chances are a 15-year-old is probably investing somebody else's money and not their own. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, ease into it. There's, there's plenty of years in front of you to invest and to trade. I'd probably stick on the demo until you're 21 or so. I want to touch really quickly on the commission-free uh, brokers because I'm sure you're aware of, um, and during COVID, uh, I think it was Robinhood that, I think it was GameStop, right? They they halted, uh, or I don't know if halt is the correct word, but they didn't allow you to trade GameStop and AMC and whatever else during that whole uh, bull run or when it was crashing maybe. Um, and I know there's a little, there's some other issues with like zero commission brokers because uh, if they're not making money there, then I don't really know how it works. You'll you'll know better than me, but I assume it's if they're not making money there, then they have to cheap out in some areas, and like that might result in uh, one day you might not be able to exit your trade like as quickly as you want, or they might have like a uh, it might be down or something. So what do you what do you think about those zero commission? brokerages sure um again I, I think there's a place for zero commission brokerage i think they certainly opened up uh and we'll use Robinhood as an example right they're the biggest one out there um they did a really nice job of setting up their systems being able to onboard millions of customers and obviously their systems held up really well with the covid boom um with everybody in the house getting ppp checks and these unemployment checks, government <laughs> checks, all these different things, they all piled into the market and the market exploded. Yeah. Uh, and to, to the upside. Um, obviously, anything that goes up comes down when you see these parabolic moves. We've all been doing this. I've been doing this long enough to know that whenever you see a movement like this, it will tend to come down as hard as it went up. Um, so the, the question you have to ask yourself with zero commission brokers is, how can they afford to be zero commission? Obviously, all those firms are not not-for-profit companies, right? They're they're out there to make money. They are out there to turn a profit. And if they're not charging you commission, how are they doing that? Um, yeah. A long time ago, somebody said to me, if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. And so the way they're doing that is that um, they are engaging with market makers and those zero commission brokers are selling your orders to market makers and those market makers are paying them a fee which they're taking in instead of commissions to for the market makers essentially to take the other side of your orders mm -hmm. so the biggest market makers are citadel Virtu, uh susquehanna there's a lot of them out there 
And again, payment for order flow is a legal practice in the United States. There's nothing wrong with it. They're all disclosing it on their on their form CRS and they're adhering to what's called Reg BI. Um, these are federal rules. Um, so again, all of them are acting legally and ethically and everything else. The question is, is that if you are a um, if you're a participant in the market, um, you need to understand that we were talking about this earlier about the best traders really being educated about what's going on out there and understanding market structure. Um, is there a, a negative to using a zero commission broker? I would make the argument that there is. Um, you need the ability to route to the orders to whatever market venues you want. Um, ARCA, NASDAQ, BATS, uh, EDGE, EDGEX are lit exchanges. Um, there are dark pools out there that are a little bit cheaper than lit exchanges, but again, still executing um, against other participants. Uh, and the market makers essentially are taking the other side of your order and then paying the brokerage firms because they view your orders to be retail in nature, which means that they think you're going to lose money in the short term more than you will make money. And therefore, those orders are tremendously profitable to market makers or to hedge funds or whoever's buying the other side of them. So uh, I would make the argument that in certain cases, using a market maker to execute your orders for free is very advantageous, um, especially for the most liquid names. If you're trading spiders or diamonds or things like that, yeah, there's tons of liquidity all, all over the place. And you know, there's not much change that can happen in the spreads. Um, mm -hmm. the, the less liquid the names that you're getting into and the lower the ADVs, the average daily volumes, there could be an advantage to you executing against lit exchanges um, and dark pools or smart order routers. One of the one of the things that Mondium was built on, and Mondium Capital is not a zero commission broker because we do give our traders the ability to route their orders where they need to. Um, but one of the things that we think we do a little bit differently is we have a route called MNDC PFOP, which basically allows the trader to sell their order flow to the market themselves and capture some of that rebate or some of that commission um, for themselves. We're essentially sharing in the payment for order flow with the traders. So you don't have to use it. You can execute against what exchanges if you want to use the smart order routers. We can build you smart order routers based on the way that you trade. Um, but if you decide you want to collect some of that payment for order flow, you can do that yourself and sell the orders to the market. So we wanted to kind of democratize order routing for active retail investors. Um, people that, the traders that we have have been really, really happy with, they don't all use the MNDC. They don't all capitalize on it. A lot of them like the um, the executions better when you're executing directly with the low exchanges. But like anything else in life, you get what you pay for. So those exchanges, uh, those lit exchanges are going to be more expensive to execute against versus market maker. So a trader will look at both options and say to themselves, what's the best thing for me? What am I, what am I going to be making the most money with? So remember, mm -hmm. when you're looking at a zero commission broker, you have to ask yourself, what's the true cost of those executions? Am I getting worse fills because of the fact that um, the market maker is taking the other side of the order and, and buying my order flow? Order to order, you can't make that determination, but with a, a brokerage firm like ours or brokerage firms that do charge commission, albeit a little bit of commission, you're going to have the flexibility to route your orders where you want versus one of these zero commission brokers saying, we're selling your order to Citadel, we're selling it to Virtu, there's nothing you can do. 
Uh, and I think that's, that's the main difference. And that's something to be cognizant of again, yeah. is one better than the other depends on the trader, depends on the stock, depends on the market condition. There's a million different things that you need to factor all that in. I would rather have the option for myself than being railroaded into, um, one way of doing things. Obviously I'm biased a little bit. Um, yeah. rubber term, but that's just my opinion on the whole thing. It's it's honestly very smart. Like it's so profitable. You have this statistic that tells you, I don't know exactly what it's at now because there's different statistics, but like seventy to ninety percent of retail traders consistently lose, and like you can literally just take that and be like, oh well, if we know we're they're most likely going to lose, like why don't we just take the opposite side? Um, Similarly, the what is it called? Uh, the funded accounts, funded account challenges, funded companies like that's also a very they're capitalizing on that as well. They know most people aren't gonna gonna pass the challenge, they know that they're gonna continue paying for it because it's like I think a hundred dollars or less. And um, yeah, I just I remember when I when they started getting popular, I was like, dang, like. That's pretty smart. Whoever came up with that, like, it's a a good business. I feel like, although it's kind of well. I don't remember if... though, I, like, I'm I'm a big believer in as long as everything is disclosed, and when you're reading everything, there's nothing misleading about it. Um, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. That they're they're running a product, and obviously, some of those firms are doing pretty well for themselves. Um, and it's a situation where if they're out there operating that service and you're reading it all the fine print and they're disclosing everything properly to you saying if you yeah achieve these hurdles we're going to give you a funded account and whatnot the fact that 70 to 90 percent of the traders fail isn't necessarily their fault no more than it's the fault of a market maker saying well we're expecting a lot of these trades to be unsuccessful so let's make a market in them um, it's mm -hmm. just the nature of the beast and what they're dealing with. But like I said, as the consumer, you need to be educated and cognizant of the game that you're playing. Understand the rules, understand uh, really what's going on and make those decisions for yourself. So, I mean, almost all the traders that, that I know have zero commission brokerage accounts, especially now that, you know, some of them are paying 5% interest and in treasury bills and all these different things. Um, but for the traders and where I think Bondium sits in the marketplace is if you are an active trader, if you're waking up every day, doing your research, reading everything, knowing where your um, earnings calls are and what's moving and the CPI numbers coming out and the housing numbers on the state and everything else, and you are engaging in the marketplace and saying, there are times where I want to execute against lit venues, there's times where I want to use the smart order routers, I need solid stock loan and stock locates all for a reasonable price then maybe those zero commercial brokers are not for you and like i said we kind of cater to an, an educated experienced sort of uh customer and that's what we're growing our business on. what is like what are the biggest things that you've learned like seeing a bunch of traders come in and out whether it's from your company or from like the prop firms. Um, I haven't personally, like I most people that start trading, they don't have access to 
saying all this. Um, so I'm just curious to hear. I spoke at a conference in San Diego in uh, March, and that was the question. What, what would I ask myself, um, being someone that's on the other side of the coin, if I was a brand new trader in the marketplace? Um, the first thing is, and, and I, I got quoted um, Al Pacino in, uh, in the movie Any Given Sunday, where he gives that speech at the end where he says, you know, the people that are willing to fight and die for that extra inch are the ones football's a game of inches and you have to fight for that itch, right? Um, the way your brokerage firms are looking at you is based off of fractions of pennies. That's that's how they make money with you is, is tenths of pennies and hundreds of pennies, which are called mills. Um, so you need to be very, very cognizant of very small increments of money. Commissions. Routing fees, uh, sales. If if you're lifting orders in the market and you the spread is 19 by 21, and you're using your broker and it feels like every time the offer is 21, you're getting filled at 23, because the, the orders are just not going fast enough to the market. The market's moving away from you. You're not only giving up tenths of pennies or hundreds of pennies. You're giving up whole pennies. Yeah. Now, a, an untrained person might look at that and say. Ah, 22, 23, what's the big deal? It's everything. Um, because those are the fractions of the pennies that over the course of your your day, your month, your year, your lifetime are all of the profit that you're making and you don't even realize it yet. Um, things like pro versus non-pro data. Um, try your hardest to be a non-professional. Don't break any rules, but you know, make sure that if you are a non-pro and you're a retail trader, you're not paying professional data because it could be 10 times as much. Too many traders enter the marketplace and say, well, I want pro data because I'm a professional and whatnot. They're paying $200 for data that they can get for $40 if they just check the other box. Um, making sure that all the, the little charges and fees that your brokerage firm is charging you, SCC fees, TAT, MSCC, they're all correct. Do a reconciliation in your account. Make sure that all of the fees you're supposed to be charged are correct. Stock loan and stock locate, same thing. Make sure they are all correct. Uh, if you think you're routing your orders against ARCA or NASDAQ, make sure you know what those charges are going to be and you reconcile against what you're getting uh, what you're getting charged because those inches or those pennies or tenths of pennies are all of the profit margins, in some cases, charging or overcharging you that your brokerage firm is making do you really want to be cognizant of those things? Remember, whenever there's a mistake, it always tends to not go in your favor. Uh, I'm not saying that's intentional. I'm just saying that firms tend to fix um, errors that are out of their favor a hell of a lot fast, and they, they tend to fix that are in their favor uh, or, or vice versa. Um, so be cognizant of a lot of that. Pay attention. Understand what you're dealing with reconcile all of your trades and your accounts on a daily basis or spot check them whenever you can um, because there's a lot more going on in there when there is you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of shares being executed at your broker terms daily. So there's a lot of errors that can potentially happen and just pay attention. I'm not sure if I've ever uh, seen an error happen in one of my trades. Um, 
Although I, I never promise really... you there are. <laughs> and you're just, yeah, not, I've never... you're just not looking close enough, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that your firms are doing it on purpose because they're not, right? They're all electronic systems and whatnot. Um, there, there are fractions of pennies in a million different ways. Um, I, I would just say, be cognizant, be careful, pay attention. Um, and most people, like I'll even ask them at a conference, so where do you guys route your orders? I don't know. Wherever yeah, don't know. <laughs> Ameritrade tells me to. Yeah. Right. So those are the kinds of things where you reach out to someone like us and say, let, let me open an account. Let me test the different routing strategies that you have. Let me see if my fills are better um, based on where your orders are being routed versus where I'm being routed now and, and do your own analysis. I think that's important. What do you think is, or actually, uh, do you think anyone can be a good trader? Absolutely. Um, I, I know a lot of people that make their living, very good livings, um, as traders on a day in and day out basis. Um, again, most of them fail. If, if, if there's 10 traders that come into a trading firm, a prop firm, a retail firm, whatever it is, over the course of their lifetime, expect seven or eight, nine of them to not be successful. Um, there are a lot of traders that I know personally, talk to them on a daily basis, that make money consistently in the market. I've been doing it for a long time. They tend to have the same attributes. Again, they are cold when it comes to the market. They have the ability to step away when things aren't going for them. Um, they are not let me risk my whole bankroll on one trade kinds of guys. Yeah. They respect their capital. They respect the marketplace. They are very educated, um, again, on market structure. And one time, um, one of the traders I had was in some stock and I said, oh, you know, that reports earnings on Tuesday. And he gave me a look like, why would you ask me that? Of course I know that guy. I'm, you know, I know more than you do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they are voracious readers. Um, they know everything about every stock they've ever looked at. They have great memories. Uh, and they are at their desks very early in the morning walking pre-market. And then they are at their desk late into the night. They tend to, if they're going to the gym or they're taking a walk or whatever, it's always in the middle of the day from probably 12 to two where the market is not as fertile. Um, they love the pre and post market. There's always opportunity there. They love the open. Um, the close is a hit or miss, depending on what's going on. Fed days, they don't take vacations during Fed days, you know, because there's a lot of opportunity there. But uh, yes, is, is trading, uh, uh, is it possible to be a successful trader? 1,000%. I know a lot of guys that do. It is unlikely, but it is definitely possible. That's uh, it's always nice to hear when people, because it's kind of hard uh, being a trader. When you first start, it's kind of like, is this even possible? But it, once you start speaking to other traders, and like you said, you personally speak to these traders that are consistently profitable, like you realize like, dang, like people are actually doing this. And then uh, once you have that belief, I feel like it's a lot easier to actually put in the work. Um. No, I, look, absolutely. Um, remember, don't. my advice is don't get too big with your trades too quickly. Um, don't focus on yourself. 
focus on getting better for you. Don't get caught up in these chat rooms or, you know, these influencers out there that are like, oh, if you want to make a million in the next two weeks, spend 1995 with me. No. Yeah. No. Um, that That's not how you do this. The, the best traders I've seen, they research, they read, they've got their handle on everything. They, they know what stocks they're in. They, they can correlate uh, different market sectors. What, who is an AI stock? Who are the companies that make chips for AI companies? Who are the companies that you know, are selling software and consulting services to those AI stocks? And it's all understand the ecosystem of what's out there. This happened with business-to-business -business software companies. It happened with electric car firms. It happened with blockchain companies, right? All those things tended to move in cycles. And now you've got NVIDIA being an AI play based on the fact that they make chips for a lot of these these companies mm -hmm. as well. So they are outrageously intelligent, well-read guys. Um, I will say that most of them don't look the way you think traders would look. Um, online, every trader has uh, Omar Pigay on his wrist and pulls in in a, in a, in a Maybach oh, and yeah. before he gets on his private plane. That's not the way these guys look. They are sports fans. They are... Uh, they've got three kids in the white picket fence. They get up in the morning and they treat this like a job. They're in their basement or in their office. They're in someplace quiet where they can focus. They've got mm -hmm. uh, a routine with the way they handle things. Um, again, they do well, but traders respect their capital and respect their money more so than regular people do because they realize one trade means everything to them. And uh, it can be over as quickly, and and they they appreciate the 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 freedom that trading brings to them, and they appreciate how lucky they are, and we all are, to be in an industry like this that's instantly gratifying, it's exciting every day that you love. You hate that it's a Saturday tomorrow, and, you, and there's nothing to trade. <laughs> um, right. But at the same right, but at the same time, you really have to get your fingers in there, um, and and do the work and do the research, and it takes a while. So. Uh, it is possible, but not if you if you if you take it lightly or, or think it's easy. Um, I know this is a question I used to always obsess about, so I know other traders are going to be curious uh, because you've spoken to a lot of traders, a lot of successful ones. What would you say is like a good time period for someone uh, to expect to become consistently successful in trading? If you had to give it a time period of like years or whatever. Again, I, I would, it, it's impossible to say how long it would take someone. Um, mm. I would say the way you should look at this is you want to be a professional trader. You're investing your time and effort and money into this. Um, I would say give yourself a solid year. Mm -hmm. And I, I, my line is, it's okay to lie to other people. Just don't lie to yourself. So at the end of that year, look yourself in the mirror, see what kind of, of uh, even if you're not profitable, you'll know more than I like this, I don't like this. You'll know, do you have a knack for this? Are you getting it? Are you disciplined? Mm -hmm. Are you, do you have a plan with the way that you trade? Is there a thesis behind every trade that you do? Um, I always hate it when a trader gets involved in a trade, it goes against them and all of a sudden they became an investor. Well, I'm going to hold on to this for the next two years because it went against me 50 cents. Like 
yeah. you have to be disciplined with it. So I would say, um, I don't know how long it takes an individual person because some guys will trade for 10 years, be profitable for nine of them and be unprofitable the 10th year and their heads are spinning. Um, for new traders coming into it, I would say you give it a solid year, have income or somewhere else that's sort of floating the bill for you as you're getting your head wrapped around this. And after one year and give it the anniversary, take the day off, look in the mirror, sit down with yourself and, and say to yourself, listen, either this is working or it isn't because trading is an outrageously expensive hobby if you are not good at it. And it's a hobby until you're profitable, right? So um, you'd much rather collect baseball cards or comic books or whatever rather than engage in something where you can lose $10,000 in a day if you're not sharp. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, it comes down to emotional intelligence. Do you have the wherewithal to do this? I would say give it a year, look yourself in the mirror, and make that determination. At that point, you still may not be profitable, but at least you'll know if you're on the right path. Why do you think there's a disconnect um, between like what traders think is going to happen with, like, especially, again, on TikTok? A lot of them think it's if you don't make it within a year, like what's the point? They think like you should be profitable after a year or within a year. Why do you think there's a disconnect between like what they think and what's the reality? I think because a lot of these TikTok influencers, it's in their best interests to tell you, you can be profitable a hell of a lot faster than you can be, right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure if you met a lot of these TikTok guys outside and asked them to see their actual trades probably wouldn't show them to you because most of the guys out there um, that are, again, these 22 year old kids on TikTok saying, Hey, make a billion dollars with me. I, I, I just don't think it's realistic. So like I said, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, there are, there are a lot of educators out there that again, I don't think any of them can get you profitable, but what I think they can do is kind of guide you in the right direction and teach you principles of, discipline um having a plan with your trade what is tape reading so you know what's a bid what's an offer all these different things to kind of give you sort of a, a basis for education for what to do um there is no holy grail out there there is no magic bean there is no um again if if, if there were signals out there buy all my signals and make a zillion dollars yeah. last year they wouldn't be selling it they'd be trading it um, so again, I think a lot of the guys out there that are giving those stock picks and things like that, um, I don't know how valid it is. Again, having fresh ideas and actionable ideas brought to you to kind of get your noodle churning a little bit saying these stocks are moving today. Uh, I always like the filtering services, uh, trade ideas is one that, um, I, I think I've been using for a while. I think is a great one. Uh, trend spider is another one. That I think they do a nice job of, again, not saying buy here and sell here, but showing different graphs and, and um, uh, showing different ideas in sort of an easy to consume format. Ultimately, that's not going to give you discipline. That's not going to, you know, buy and sell for you, but it will give you a, a foundation for it. And again, don't risk money you don't have. Singles and doubles to start with. Really consume all the information and. Uh, don't over leverage yourself. Like like Warren Buffett says, liquor, ladies, and leverage are are, are the worst that. things that can happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Liquor liquor, ladies, and leverage. 
stay away from being over leverage um, and, and tiptoe in the water until you, until you know how to swim. Uh, do you think what you do outside of trading um, affects your trading? And if so, like how much? If that question makes well, sense. Well, what do you mean by what you do outside of trading? Like, so, what, what are things you would do outside of trading? Uh, there's a couple ways you could look at this. Like, let's say you're not disciplined outside of trading. Um, like, you don't uh, do your laundry consistently. Like, your house is a mess. You're, you don't eat well. Uh, you don't exercise. Like, you don't have good relationships with your family, whatever. All these things that are kind of like, seen as bad um i feel I, like I, usually i don't i don't know you can necessarily god i feel like usually like what you do in one area of life transfers over to like other areas so i don't know what you, what your opinion is on that I, I think it comes down to discipline and routine like anything else right um i, I think if you're someone that no again to say if you're not a marathon runner, you're not going to be successful. I know a lot of guys are successful that aren't. I know that yeah. some people have arguments with family and have gotten mm -hmm. divorced or, or whatnot that are excellent traders. Um, mm -hmm. I think more than looking at it on a, on a micro level, I think on a macro level, uh, a lot of these guys are routine oriented. They're very much creatures of habit and they, they have yeah. a system for the way they do things, almost in an irrational kind of a way. Um, and, uh, they, they treat it very much like a job and, you know, people always joke, oh, you know, I, I stopped trading now to get a real job. Well, if they feel like that, then they didn't, weren't treating this with the respect they should have been treating with in the beginning. Um, I think there's something to be said for people that have an outrageous amount of discipline in their personal life and that will carry over to the trading lives. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily... You know, chalk it down to if they do the laundry or not. I, I hate my laundry. Um, <laughs> I try to have somebody else do it, um, either my wife or I, I, I send it out. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily look at that. But again, outrageously disciplined people that have a routine uh, day to day, I think gives them more so of a fighting chance. I'll put it this way I can't think of people that are successful in trade that don't have a strict routine in one way or another to their trading day. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big part of the success day in day out. I'm not sure if you know details about the routines, would you be able to give any, like, is it just routine as in like, you wake up at this time, you do pre-market this time to this time, you trade from these times. Is that what you mean? Well, again, definitely just talk about waking up, right? Um, almost all the traders that I've, I've worked with are awake well before the market opens. Now, again, that could be four in the morning because they trade the pre-pre. It could be seven in the morning. They're almost always getting up at the same exact time, eating the same exact thing for breakfast, working out in the same way. Um, mm. and, and like I said, they'll go to the gym at 12 o'clock or take a walk around the block or whatever, yeah. being disciplined enough to say, my probabilities from 12 to 2 are much less than they are from nine to 11. So let me focus more there and take my time away from there. The after, after market and pre-market are really more for research and sort of maybe mm -hmm. picking off somebody with a fat finger 
at, at seven in the morning. Um, but again, I, I would say, do they all have the same routine? No. The same way that I've, I've, I've joked for years that if I've got a hundred traders, I literally have a, a hundred vastly distinct different customers that all do things in a different way. Um, I, one of the reasons why I created Mondium and structured it the way that I did was because I realized that traders are like unicorns, meaning that they, they need a much more eye touch and much more specificity from the firm that they're working with. And I think they were getting at a lot of these other firms. So my, the guys that I have on my team are reaching out to the traders, walking them through software, walking them through, again, all the different routing options, explaining everything to them. So they're kind of a little more educated than your average traders are. They really understand what they're getting into. Um, so we're doing some of the heavy lifting for them in terms of the setup and the detail and everything else. Again, we don't trade for you. All of our guys are self-directed. We don't give recommendations. That's just not what we do. Um, but uh, but yeah, we, we, we really try to focus on uh, making sure we take some of that stuff out of their hands in terms of technology and everything else and, and walking you through all of that. But yeah, I mean, every trader that we have, um, every trader I've ever dealt with is vastly different from the things that they need. I'm sure their routines are all vastly different. They're all just disciplined with a routine. So maybe yeah, if you yeah. have me back on one, maybe I'll uh, I'll bring a, a buddy or two of mine to say, what's your routine, Dave or Darren or whoever? <laughs> Dave and Darren are two guys that I talk to regularly that I that would fall in that category. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll have, uh, I'll come back and I'll bring a couple of buddies with me. That would be awesome. Do a, a three-way interview. It'd be nice to, uh, pick their brains like I'm doing to you. What do you, th I think you kind of spoke on this, that the biggest mistake is like, uh, risk, uh, risk management. Well, basically. not, not risk. Well, ri risk management is a huge part of it, but it's really more, uh, you know, a, a trader having the wherewithal to lose $25,000, but has $200,000 liquid and puts it all in his trading account and tries to turn it into a million before there's some rhyme or reason to what they're doing. So really understanding what you can afford to lose and, and saying, look, I I'm going to plan on not making money. I'm going to learn as I go. I'm going to, I'm going to treat this as almost tuition that I'm willing to pay yeah. to the market. And if you can't lose $100,000 if we're sufficient to the market, then don't trade that big trade much, much smaller and ease your way into it. Because remember, this is, a, is an endeavor where statistically you're going to lose. Does that mm. mean you are? No, it's it's almost like, do you do you not play Little League because you're never going to get to play Major League Baseball or do you not play Pop Warner because you're not going to play football in the end? No. There's a million reasons why you do this. It teaches you discipline. You love doing it. Um, but cap your risk. Understand what you can afford to lose. Have really strong risk management policies within your own account. Treat it like a business. And hopefully it'll pay you like one. So you'd say that's like the biggest mistake you see traders make? Or is there something Again, that else? and... Well, that and the emotional intelligence part, like we talked about before, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, not being cool as a cucumber when things aren't going your way, getting the Superman complex when things are going your way too much, um, being patient and just keeping a cool head and realizing each trade is independent. 
do you have any when you talk about emotional intelligence uh do you have any like suggestions on how someone can improve that or is that kind of tied into trading psychology would you say well yeah i the two books i tell people to read are trading to win by ari kiev and trading in the zone by mark douglas there's a mm -hmm. lot of books out there that are focused on you know like steve nissen's candlestick book and you know greg capper and oliver velez have a master trader book where that talks about bids and offers and doji patterns and topping mm -hmm. tails and all these different things i think a lot of this um, is, is psychology and the way that you approach these things. So I think those two books specifically taught me a lot about it. Um, one thing I always tell, remember, in my career, I was always the person that would call the trader at the end of the day and say, you should take tomorrow off. You lost it today. Um, you didn't have your, your, your ducks in a row. I've been watching trade for five years. This is not the way you trade. Yeah. So take tomorrow off and reset yourself. I think it takes a mature person to not revenge trade, step away from a stock when things aren't going your way um, and be able to reset yourself. But again, it all comes down to emotional intelligence, patience, um, un understanding your own limitations of what you're good at and what you're not good at. If you're a day trader, don't try to hold three-day overnights. If you're a one- to three-day hold, don't try to scalp it because the guy sitting next to you or your buddy set up and scalping Tesla all day long. I yeah. made five grand today. Um, know, know yourself and don't get caught up. Now, again, that doesn't mean don't listen to those guys and don't take them in. But as people, we all have uh, limitations. We all know what we're good at, what we're not good at, what we're weak in, what we're strong in. Play to those strengths. Definitely try to get stronger on your weaker things, but know what you're good at. And trading is very much like that. So stay in your lane. I kind of have a, uh, I don't know if this is a random question, but what is, do you have like any controversial beliefs in trading? Like something that you believe that not many others believe is true? I don't think so. Um, it sounds like you probably have a couple of controversial opinions that you you feel no. um why don't you share them and i'll tell you what i think <laughs> i don't know if i do actually um that's like actually the funny that makers I... are out to get you or the four yeah, yeah. brokers see my stop orders and they're trading and all i think look the problem with all that is is that whenever somebody's making money they tend not to have any controversial opinions on anything they're making money everything's going in their way it's great Second, they're losing money or things aren't going. They're, they're looking for <laughs> then they start someone up. to blame. Right. When, when, when they're making money, they're geniuses. And when they're losing money, somebody robbed them. Um, I think a lot of this is taking responsibility and accountability for your own actions uh, and just making sure that, you know, you know, uh, you know what you're doing and you, uh, you're, you're a man enough or a person enough to, um, you know, take responsibility for what you, what you do. So, yeah, I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't believe that the, the market is inherently out to get you. Um, remember, it, it's it's largely zero sum. So when you're making money, someone else is losing money and vice versa. So just be on the right side of the trade or do the best you can to be on the right side of the trade. Um, 
I have like maybe one or two questions left that I want to ask you, but is there anything that you would want to talk about or maybe something you don't uh, often get the chance to talk about that you'd like to speak about? No, just, um, again, the, the reason why, look, the reason why I come on podcasts and do these sort of appearances and I've been doing say a lot of them, but more than I've done in recent years is because yeah. we're trying to highlight our firm, which is Mondian Capital, um, trying to highlight the fact that uh, we are very much for the trader because you're dealing with a guy who traded for many years himself and knows kind of the trials and tribulations of what traders go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So we are outrageously high touch with our traders, whether it be explaining to them Again, software, routing strategies, all these different things. Um, when we make a mistake, and that happens sometimes too, we take accountability for it and are very forthcoming with our traders. Our pricing structure and commission models are transparent. They're easy to understand. We give uh, uh, flexibility in terms of routing strategies. We give our traders the ability to sell their own or to the markets. Um, what I tell everybody is I am not telling you or anybody else that we are the best broker out there for everyone because we are not. Um, we cater to a very specific niche of traders that we want to focus on. And if you are within our customer profile and you're working with XYZ Broker, stay with them. Give us a call. Ask us what we're charging on this locate, what routing we would offer, what our commission structures. Send us over your trading run and say, listen, I paid this much in commission and routing here last month. What would I have paid with you? Almost every time we engage in something like that, we have a really compelling argument as to why traders should give us an opportunity. So um, let's face it. I do podcasts and stuff so that I can kind of highlight our brokerage firm and say, <laughs> give me an opportunity to, to earn your business. So I think that would be the message that I would want to send um, to everybody watching this. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Where can they, where should they go if they're interested? Yep. Uh, just mondiumcapital.com. M-O-N-D-E-U-M capital.com. Uh, I'm sure within the, the, um, the, the comments of this, we can put the website and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and what I also can do is, is that, yep. Uh, anyone who's listening to this, uh, email me at info at mondiumcapital.com. If you decide to trade with us. We will give you three months free of our platform, which is either DOS Trader Pro or Sterling Trader Pro, just as a sweetener to say, give us a try and give us an opportunity at your business. It's almost, uh, as the Italians say, like myself, an offer you can't refuse. Um, and we felt that it was a really uh, easy way to, to kind of get introduced to us. So yeah, mondiumcapital.com, three months free of our platform, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Uh, one last question, which again is a little bit off topic because you mentioned uh, AI before do you think like AI is going to change the trading industry at all I, I, I a thousand percent think it is I just I think we're sort of in the first or second inning of this so we don't really know how it went um, yeah. I, I think a lot of firms are out there right now almost using it as a a way to talk to AI and get the information faster I think mm. the real benefit of some of these AI platforms are um, deciphering information and understanding it, whether it be research reports or 
uh, an earnings report that comes out where an AI program can read that and decipher whether it's positive or negative for the market, where before a lot of this stuff was manually driven, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to start to see more AI-driven uh, filtering software. Uh, and that what's going to happen is it's just going to make the market more and more efficient. Um, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to make traders make more money because if they're all piling on the same way, then yeah. the inefficiency is going to get sucked out of it. But I, I think that AI is going to change a lot of things in the next couple of years, trading being mm-hmm. one of them. Um, I just don't know if we know yet exactly that's going to happen, but I am certainly uh, keeping my ears peeled uh, and my eyes open to make sure that I can be on the cutting edge of it. And if there's some cutting edge AI technology that can help the modding traders make more money, I am going to be first in line. Yeah, I'm just hoping that it doesn't take away my potential to like actually trade where it's not just a bunch of AI just trading back and forth and I can't even like do anything because it's just like, you know what I mean? You know, again, the the cyclical nature of this is that when when they went from fractions to decimals and they, the market went electronic and the commission started going down, the black boxes got involved in the algorithms. They all said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, the market's going to end. The market's going to end. The market never ended. Um, the game is going to constantly change in here. Right. So you just want to, again, be cognizant of what's going on, be intelligent, be well-read, know what's happening. Uh, and again, if there's an AI program that can give you an edge, you better be in line to grab it. Um, because if your competitors are, they're going to be doing it as well. So that, like I said, that's, that's what we did at Mondium was build our own proprietary systems, uh, combination of stuff we built and some third-party technology and whatnot to make sure that our traders have the ability to route their orders faster, get more liquidity, uh, liquidity in stock loan and stock locate, that kind of stuff. They have a, a fighting chance in the markets. Again, we can't make you profitable. We can make your commissions cheaper. We can make your routing more efficient. And we can give you more access to locate so you can hit the bid and, and short what you want to. And that's that's my function in it. And uh, we, we like to think we're doing a good job. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you reaching out, first of all. Um, I know I'm not like uh, super, like we talked about before the we started recording, like I'm not like some super big podcast. I'm new. I just started. So like, I appreciate you uh, coming on, sharing like your insights with what you've seen in the industry um, and talking about Mondium Capital. Well, look, I, I, I saw your podcast and I said to myself, this is a young guy. He's out there. He's putting himself out there for everybody to see. You've had some interesting people on there. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to get my message out to, to to different groups of people as well. And it looked like an interesting thing to for me to do. Again, way past my bedtime, but I'm, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on. And maybe, um, again, depending on the reception and how all of it goes, let me see if I can get some of my colleagues on that uh, could talk a little about their trading and hopefully educate some of your viewers as to what they're doing. Awesome. Thanks again. 